G'day guys, I'm Aaron Schultz and this is episode number 47 of the Outback Mine podcast. Appreciate you joining in guys. Uh, Workplace wellbeing. Now, I reckon just about everyone that's listening to this podcast either works or they're recently retired from work. Um, one thing that I'm really passionate about is, is well-being uh, in the workplace and, and you know, sort of making people feel, feel like, I suppose, acknowledged and um, cared for at work. Uh, I think, you know, I'd be speaking for many of us that uh, a lot of us sort of feel a little bit... Um, disconnected when we go to work uh you know if we're lucky enough to have a workplace that really looks after their people um then stay there but there's lots of employers still out there that um don't really put a lot of effort into their people and um you know i'm really passionate about trying to change that um you know this decade because i just think we've had such a, a focus on health and safety and caring for people if they do get injured but i have a real uh, a real passion for prehabilitation rather than rehabilitation giving people the tools that they need to feel safe at work um, and acknowledged at work and, and cared for. And I think it's it's inevitable that uh, the workplaces are going to have to make changes to um, to implement these practices um, to make sure their people are happy, healthy and well inside and outside the workplace. So today's guest, uh, Troy uh, Mansell, I've known for quite a while and he runs an organisation called Benny Button. Now, Benny Button's all about trying to t- change workplace culture and give workplaces the tools to be able to keep their people uh, feeling safe, uh, happy uh, and engaged primarily. And they've got some tremendous tools to be able to do that. Uh, you know, and Troy, Troy and I are you know, both passionate about this particular sub- subject and Troy's sort of taken it to another level now and created a business out of it, which is going really well. And they've consulted to some major organisations throughout Australia and um I'm sure he's going to give us lots of insight into that. Um, you know what uh, what sort of inspired uh, employers to make some changes, and what uh, what it is that employers need to do to be able to step up to uh, help their staff. Um, you know, feel feel psychologically safe is probably the the, the term that I like to use most um, because if people are feeling safe uh, in the workplace or in a in a club or in a family, then they're going to feel you know like they're engaged and happy, and it's just so important. It's not. I wouldn't say it's hard to do that, but Troy's got some tremendous tools to be able to help uh, employers engage uh, with those sorts of practices. So certainly enjoy our conversation. Just wanted to uh, certainly make special mention for uh, our major primary partner, which is Green Nutritionals. So they support the podcast here. They make tremendous superfoods that are uh, awesome for physical and mental well-being, great for our mental health. So I really encourage you to check out their pod, uh, sorry, their website. It's um, greennutritionals.com.au uh, and Sydney-based uh, organisation that uh, get their products from all around the world. They source the best um, nutrients from uh, basically all around the globe and uh, minerals, which are, uh, I suppose, better than anything that we, um, we've ever experienced. So I'm really, really grateful for their support. And, um, you know, I'm sure... If you give their products a go, you won't uh, you won't be disappointed. That's for sure. So check them out, greennutritionals.com.au. Uh, without further ado, we'll get Troy on and begin this conversation. Cheers, Troy Mansell. Welcome to the Outback Mind Podcast. Thanks for having me, Aaron. It's great to be here. 
Mate, very grateful for, for you uh, spending some time to have a chat with me. Um, we've been, uh, we've sort of known each other for a while and I've sort of watched what you're doing and how your organisation's evolved and we'll talk more about Benny Button later on, mate. But um, workplace wellbeing, as you know, is something that I'm really passionate about and I just think the, the workplace is such a tremendous place to be able to uh, nurture a young man or a, a woman, young woman primarily, to be able to help them be better people inside and outside of work and uh, they spend so much time um, you know, behind a desk, uh, on the tools, whatever it may be. Um, I just think if the employer is actually looking after their staff uh, and they feel safe in the workplace, then certainly um, you know, that will help their mental health for sure, mate. So really grateful for you uh, for joining me, Troy. Um, can you give us a bit of a, 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 an idea and a background of yourself and um, you know, so where you were brought up and sort of how you sort of evolved into this space as an individual? Yeah, sure. Uh, thanks, Aaron. And you're right. Uh, we spend, or well, most of us spend the majority of our waking lives in, in workplaces. So it's, it's, it's just so critical that we start to bring well-being into the conversation at work and, and make it normal. And for me, uh, thinking about my career in, in sort of big corporate world, those conversations just didn't didn't happen for too for too long. It took too long for them to become a normal occurrence in work. So I, I started my working career as as an apprentice actually at the Age newspaper, mm. and I was in this um, I guess fortunate period of time where uh, the media industry was going through. A, a bit of technological change and I became a leader very very young in my career so I was actually a leader of people while I was, whilst I was still an apprentice and, and I think I actually had to make um, the first person's job uh, redundant uh, in my working career whilst I was still an apprentice myself which was a really weird experience um, but but that that sort of taught me pretty early a lot about how to treat people and uh, relationships, etc., and, and that just evolved into a career uh, where I, I took on so many different leadership challenges within Fairfax Media and moved up to New South Wales and Sydney. Uh, before too long, I was I was leading hundreds of people in uh, really diverse workplaces, which taught me a lot about human beings, and and I guess um, also taught me a bit about myself, but. Again, through that growth in my career, well-being was never part of the conversation and, and, and neither was, um, you know, core values of, of me as an individual. It was never something that we worked on as, as leaders, what, what really made us tick as human beings and as individuals. So I think um, there's this... this story background will go two ways and I think we'll come back and recap on it but but I know as myself as an individual I, I started to lose a bit of touch with my true identity as a person but I think I was still a really good leader uh, but I was more the indoctrinated leader of Fairfax Media and that become really my identity as opposed to Troy who Mansell. I was as, as a real person Troy Mansell I've fortunately reconnected with that now um, but when we look at well-being what's really inspired me to do uh, what I'm doing now so I, I, I was in a position as general manager at Fairfax Media and I was 
asked to close down a couple of these huge manufacturing sites, uh, one in New South Wales and, and one out at, in Melbourne near the airport there, Tullamarine. And this involved about 400 uh, people's jobs uh, and I had to make all those positions redundant. So almost coming full circle, when I was an apprentice, I made one person redundant and as I was getting towards my end of time at Fairfax, I had to make 400 people's jobs redundant and um one good thing that did come out of that there was a number of good things that come out of that story but one one thing that was a positive was that i I was basically given carte blanche to do uh the process of shutting these sites down over a two-year period any way that i wanted to do it and it gave me the opportunity and i'd been working with a couple of leaders uh at fairfax uh, in relation to well-being and bringing that discussion to, to the table. And, and I had one colleague, her name was Alison Wright, and she was actually really passionate about well-being and doing a, a nutrition degree at the time. But we thought, how can we uh, make this experience of people exiting the business, one where well-being is part of that process? And, and it's, it's typically not when, when there's huge restructure and change. Organisations can tend to forget about people's well-being and just want to get them out the door as quickly as possible but what we wanted to do as as an organization was to uh, help these people transition out of the business and be in a really good position from a mental and physical well-being perspective so that when they exited the business they were in a in a really good position to to, to crack on with the next phase of their lives so um I'd been to the executive at Fairfax many times and asked for funding for wellbeing historically and, and I was almost, to be honest with you, put into a straitjacket when I'd asked for, for money for wellbeing. It was typically, you know, what what on earth has that got to do with um, you know, getting newspapers out, out on the street, go back go back to work was typically the response. Mm. But this time it was like, Yeah, do what you need to do. So we, we got some really good funding to to put in a holistic well well-being program at both sites, and uh, we were just doing this to try and help people. But what what even I didn't realise um, when we went on this journey was that this investment was going to have a real return, not only in in people's in how they're feeling, their livelihoods, and and their morale. But we started to see all our key performance indicators start to improve. And we were getting asked questions. What, why is everything going so well when we thought closing down these sites would lead to, um, you know, a, a loss of time and production and mm. focus uh, from the people who were actually improving everything? And there was, it started to emerge for me that there was this real direct correlation between people's well-being, how, how they were looking in their face, their energy, um, their communication, their behaviour with... The, the performance of the business. And these were pretty hardcore manufacturing sites. Uh, but but it just, it was a light bulb moment for me, Aaron, where I saw, wow, there's a, there's a connection here between people's well-being and how productive they are and how they perform. And, and when you say it like that, it, it seems pretty logical, but uh, for, for so long it, it had been um, almost like, fluffyology that well-being was was tied in with performance so um what what happened by the time those sites closed all our performance 
indicators that at these two sites had actually peaked. Uh, and for me, it was just really, you know, why did it take such a, I'd call it a catastrophic event of closing businesses down to invest in people's well-being. Mm. And I, I wanted um, leaders to, I guess, see well-being as, as an integral part of business and high performance uh, and invest in it as a, as a win-win opportunity. So that became my mission. I, I, I was fortunate when I was closing down these sites to meet a really good person uh, by the name of Kane Johnson, who I know that you know as well. And, mm. and Kane was, um, you know, not long out of the Richmond Football Club, but really... Uh, interested in not only men's health but meditation and, and holistic well-being in workplaces and he, he was working in a, a small consultancy firm at the time and uh, I managed to, to start doing some work with him and uh, started this mission of trying to convince as many business leaders as possible that, that well-being was, was good for business. Hmm. Amazing, mate. Um very, uh, very interesting. A couple of things that come to me there was when these people um, felt like they were being supported and then smiles, you know, come on their faces, they knew they were exiting the business, um, you know, safely and also, um, you know, financially well. Uh, I guess the, the lesson in that is, is to be able to sort of have that mindset consistently, whether an employee is being moved on or whether they're actually there and engaged. Do you think there's an opportunity to be able to keep people in that mindset regardless of whether they're, they're leaving a business or, or staying in a, in, a, in a role? Absolutely. It's, um, it's, it is possible to, to get people on board the mission. There's got to be a, a story uh, told along with that. So I think to get people to believe in, in anything, there needs to be um, some storytelling involved. And, and when it comes to people's well-being, it's, it's not too hard to find a story uh, that connects with people, particularly as leaders, if we can link it to the su success of the business, but also the growth yeah. of the individual. And then um, as leaders commit to supporting those people through, the, through their growth. Um, so yeah, absolutely. It, it shouldn't just take a, an event like closing a business down. And, and, and the fortunate thing is that we're now seeing a lot, lot more businesses start to get curious Mm. Uh, about this space of well-being in workplaces, for sure, which yeah. is good. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's a you know it's an opportune time, isn't it, with regards to what we've experienced over the last year to be able to look at uh, new ways of doing business, but also new ways of, of treating people and, and sort of managing um, the mental health of people. I suppose a little bit better, and um, it all sort of intertwines with sport, with um, with work, and and all. You know, participations that we have uh, a lot of uh, our time engaged in and if you can be in a workplace which is you know going to give you that sort of care I believe you know the, the, the performance will, will, will sort of follow that would you agree? Yeah look uh, any business whether it's in a uh, remote regional area or, or a big corporate in the big smoke uh, I think you know if you're not including well-being in the talent attraction conversation but also then in the ongoing engagement and the experience of the person in your workplace whether they're an apprentice plumber or or a, uh, a new accountant coming in into the finance team uh, well-being has to be in the conversation and, and part of the experience otherwise you're going to lose people mm. um, or you won't get the, the most out of them whilst they're there 
um, within your workplace. So it just it just makes so much sense. We've Aaron got some data in the work that we do, and uh, where when people's well-being is promoted and and people are feeling good, they're more than a seventy-five percent chance of performing at a higher level. And and when their well-being is not invested in and it's and it's low, they're a six percent chance to be in that. Uh, high performance zone, high contribution zone. So it just makes so much sense uh, for for this to be just you know normalised in terms of workplace safety uh, was normalised into workplaces you know twenty years ago. Absolutely, yeah. And I I saw uh, like I was sort of working with a large labour hire provider back then, and lots of money getting thrown into health and safety, but there was nothing being done about wellbeing uh, for for the people. Um, in which we engaged our, 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 our staff with clients. Um, and I sort of knew back then, um, you know, 2003, that uh, this has got to change. I saw people, you know, hurting themselves, getting sort of cared for um, by, by having a salary pay, but there was no follow-up from the employer. There was no sort of care taken by them to make sure that their mental health was looked after while they were disengaged. Um, but yeah, there's uh, there's been some changes, but I think we've still got lots of opportunities to be able to to help people, uh, you know, feel more connected at work. Troy, one thing I was going to ask you, mate, um, with regards to yourself, but this is probably really relevant um, with with people that are working in leadership roles. Um, they seem to like lose touch uh, with themselves. So you said you lost touch with your identity. Would you call that sort of missing identity if someone's in a role? And they're just focused on what they're doing, but they've actually lost touch with who they really are. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's there's a couple of things there. Um, you know, I, I probably um, didn't have the people around me in the workplace who are either really mindful of um, uh, values and how important they were in terms of being a leader and and just a um, a, a good person within the workplace but also outside of work and and I it took me far too long to um, start considering uh, mentors outside of work as well so um, and and this is where I said before it's a it's a bit of a a bit of conflict because I think I was quite a good leader but that wasn't necessarily uh, when I was in the workplace but I was I was almost taking those workplace values and and for me at the time in in my workplace it was all about it's almost like win at all costs um you know profitability over everything else um cutting costs being ruthless and 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 some of those values and the way i was behaving in the workplace to get results i was carrying over into my into my life uh, as well so it was starting to permeate outside of the, the the walls of work into my life rather than how it should be and how I'm working now is that I've got these underlying personal values that are at my core, that are true to me, that I take into my to my work and that's what fuels me in, in my my action and behaviours outside of work but also inside uh, the workplace. And, and I think I had that around the wrong way some time ago and I, and, and I think because we're at work so much and, and the rigours of work and this go, go, go and we're not stopping to be curious or mindful about ourselves and who we are um, there becomes this real blur and and it's and it's quite easy to have that spillover from work into your life and and i think that can can lead to 
um, absolutely uh, challenges with mental health and, and well-being. Yeah. Interesting to see whether there's anyone listening out there, whether you're uh, an employer or an employee, you know, are you asking your people how they're going? Are you, are you sort of asking them one-on-one, you know, regularly, you know, how are you? Or if you're an employee, are you hearing it from your employer? You know, um, I just think those three or four words are really, uh, really um, pivotal to be able to just sort of check in with people regularly just to see how they are. Um, and I know you guys have got some, some digital interventions that you use, which are, are really practical as well. But I just think the human touch of, um, of that support and that supportability in the workplace, um, you know, is, is, is critical, Troy. And that's, that's, I suppose, humanology in its essence to be able to sort of show care and compassion for another individual. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think even... Um even before the, I mean, the how, how are you going question is just something that should be, it's leadership 101 and, and asking that question uh, with authenticity and uh, empathy, you know, at least once a week is is so critical and, and what I see in many workplaces at the moment, that question's asked on are you okay day yeah. Um, yeah. rather than it being something we, we ask every week. But one thing that's still not asked, nowhere near enough is um you know that rather than how are you who are you yeah. and that who are you question where um like here's an example in workplaces we'll get a hundred people in a room and ask how many people know the the workplace values the core values of the workplace and, and you'll get a majority of people putting their hand up with confidence mm. that they know what the values of the workplace are and, and when we ask them the same question now put your hand up if you you know your top five values and you might get one or two hands out of 100 people mm. going up in the room. And um, this is something we're really passionate about. And this, this, is, this is universal. It goes beyond workplaces. But people, um, you know, being really tuned into who they are as individuals, mm. what their values are, and living those day to day. And it takes work and and consciousness on, on a regular basis and you know my business partner and i we even have acronym for our acronyms for our values our top five personal values so that we're living and breathing them and they're they're in our in our consciousness every day mm. uh, but in in workplaces or in footy clubs or um you know at the pub where we're not asking each other who are you you know what's what are your core values what makes you tick um, we just don't ask that enough. So that's something I'd love to, to fuel that mission that we're asking uh, each other, who are you, as well as how are you? Yeah, that's true because uh, the how is just uh, you know, a one or two word reply primarily, but who is, uh, it makes actually people tap into their, uh, into their deeper mind, I suppose, to be able to sort of you know, come back with something which, um, which is you know, usually positive. Usually, uh, how are you is responded with something that's quite negative uh, most of the time, Troy. But something that come to mind there, um, as an employee, uh, I think we get reviews, you know. Um, if you're in a sort of like a, a lower management or middle management role, you get a review maybe once every three or six months. But I believe there should be a check-in, you know, once a week with a person uh, just to see, you know, how are you, but also who are you <laughs> to be able to, you know, to get to, to know the, the individual a little bit more deeply because I see it still, mate, um, employers just aren't doing anything to 
to to engage with their people there they're giving them a good salary they're, they're they're paying them a wage every week or fortnight and that's about it mate there's no love unfortunately and that's what humans need i guess we're all we're all wanting that connection and that support um as i mentioned and um that's our innate human nature and we just sort of seem to be uh missing the uh the beat there unfortunately still yeah look a real champion of, of this cause and you should try i'll, I'll dob him in here and in saying that you should get him onto this podcast, Trevor Hendy. Yeah. Uh, he's a he's a huge uh, advocate for, for leading from the heart and mm. uh, there's there's too many workplaces where we're all leading from the head, but um, we need more soul in, in that leadership. And, and when we start leading from the heart, like we're talking to family members or people that are really close to us, the conversations um, become a, a bit more authentic, I feel. And um, we... we again with our data one of the key elements of what's engaging people and and leading to influencing their well-being at work is uh if they can be their authentic selves at work um if workplaces are allowing people to bring their full selves to work that's flowing on through to engagement well-being and high performance so again it, it makes so much sense to to ask that question with authenticity and then check in on people on, on a regular basis as well. And you're right, at least once a week, it's just um, that's that's emerging now as one of the key factors uh, in, in some recent world research is that, that the most important element for a leader is to, to check in on your person and have a meaningful conversation at least once a week. Uh, so you're, you're spot on there. Yeah, agree. Certainly... Um Look, my I suppose the the best managers I've ever had are the ones that sort of took time to 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 do just that. You know, they were concerned about you as an individual, but also they were really supportive of you to be able to um, you know get results in the workplace, which is you know why you're there. But uh, or part of the reason why you're there, but also to be able to make sure that you're supporting your, yourself outside of work and you're supporting your family really well, not not just providing money. I suppose at the end of the day and. A lot of a lot of us guys sort of you know fall in that rabbit hole of just being a provider, but there's so much more to that. You know, um, we sort of got that label and that sort of stereotype still that we're the ones that have got to keep things afloat, but we've also got to have our own um, well-being looked after. And I guess if an employer is able to do that well, that's going to help uh, you know our own mental health outside work and the mental health of our partner and our families. And you know, I, I fell into that trap, mate. You know, I, I, I. I that's one of the main reasons I sort of put the book together that I did just was just to say that, yeah, look, um, I was getting paid lots of money, but I'd lost my soul, you know, and that's sort of getting yeah. back to uh, your missing identity um, um, terminology as well, mate. So, you know, I, I certainly know it um, full well, and that certainly uh, was a big catalyst in me, you know, um, in my marriage, um, you know, disengaging because I never sort of had the support at home, never had the support at work. And uh, and basically, it was just me feeling lost at the end of the day. And I don't want uh, I don't want other guys sort of having to experience that. You know, we, we need to be able to um, keep people self aware enough that they can, you know, um, if they're not if they're not doing well on a roll, get out and do something else. It doesn't matter if it's less money or whatever. If you're doing something that's keeping you engaged and happy, I think that's uh, that's more important at the end of the day. Yeah, it, it sure is, and, and I I think. Um Again, a lot of this coming back to people asking that question and checking in on a regular basis with with authenticity and, and not just having a two-word response but digging a bit deeper and 
we 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 see that um, you know when when people are under stress. So this is again data coming from from our our Benny Button tools at the moment. But we've got thousands and thousands of people who are using our tools. And and one stat that's quite alarming to me that's coming through strongly is that. Um, 65% of all employees are strongly agreeing that when they're under stress or having a tough time, and this is at work or in life, they generally battle on by themselves rather than asking for help and support. Yeah. So that's 65% of people. And if you if you were to ask that question to men, the, the percentage goes up even, even more than that. So um, it, it's something uh, that we need to do is checking on on people regularly, ask people if they need our support, create a sense of psychological safety, and then hopefully, um, you know, people feel confident to be able to reach out when when times are tough, rather than rather than battling on by themselves. Which we know, and, and you're really passionate about this space, leads to challenges with mental health. Yeah, absolutely, Troy. It's. Um well, I, I think, you know, the, the traditional way was to have the EAP, you know, like just work, your, work yourself to the, the, the bottom of the pit and then the EAP's there to, to sort of save you. But uh, yeah. that, that still goes on a bit. But, geez, you know, that should be the last resort. I, I've been saying that for years, you know. Um, you don't want to get to that stage where you're actually accessing that, but a lot of employees are still promoting, oh, if you need help, give the EAP a call, you know. Um, yeah. yeah. Is that sort of slowly changing, do you think? It is. Look, we're, um, I, I, I think, uh, and so let's just, um, I'll state one thing. So there was quite a lot of research done years ago in, in relation to some of the costs in, in relation to stress and sickness in workplaces and, and disengagement. And, and um, let's say about 2014, that figure was $500 billion that was costing the Australian economy every year. Mm-hmm. And and that has increased since then. And we're actually seeing mental health uh, issues and mental illness continuing to increase within workplaces to a point where work-related stress is, I think, almost now overtaking um, uh, musculoskeletal injuries as the number one uh, most com- com- compensated injury within workplaces so uh it's definitely still a massive challenge and um you were touching on something before as well where you know it it goes too far for some people where they're either burning out or relationships are breaking down or there's um challenges with mental health and and we can call this um self-undermining so when things are challenging or stressful at work you know people at the moment and this is what we're trying to get leaders and workplaces to help break the cycle that people are going home and maybe drinking too much alcohol or not exercising they're flopping on the couch because they're um, depleted of energy and mm. and not making the right decisions or, or doing anything beneficial for their well-being they turn up to work the next day running on empty and this um, leads to burnout and, and it happens relatively quickly uh, for some people, if they haven't got an underlying foundation of well-being, others it can creep up on them. But it's 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 not something that's going away. And and it's I think workplaces and leaders that are really mindful of this situation of you know how do you want your people to show up uh, at work and what's the legacy and footprint you want to leave behind on these people when you start thinking about that. 
um, that dance within workplaces and, and you have this mindset of winning on all levels. It's just something that needs to be invested in and talked about mindfully all the time. It needs to be a normal part of the conversation uh, because without it, businesses won't achieve their optimal outcomes. People are going to get sick and stressed, burn out, leave the business. Um, you're not going to be able to retain people. So it's, it just makes so much sense. It's the flow-on impact to the community uh, is, is so significant when people are um, feeling like they're overloaded, overworked, and then taking that home, that, that's spilling over to their, to their family life and their community. Mm. Um, it's, it's a really vicious cycle. So I, I don't think it's improving at all. There are companies, um, big and small, that are trying to do something about it, and some are doing it really well. Uh, but but it's still a huge challenge that we've got ahead of us. Yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah, you just touching on like even rural communities. There, there's people, people that are that, that are you know working hard on on, on farms in harvest or you know, certain periods of time. Um, really important for their for, for for if you've got a partner for them to sort of understand what you're going through and be able to talk to your partner about how you're feeling rather than masking and going to the beer fridge and that sort of thing because. Uh, that 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 can be an easy uh, intervention with regards to you know feeling grounded again, but there's nothing better than actually talking and, and just uh, discussing how you're feeling. Um, another thing, Troy, uh, just getting away from, from from that a little bit, but uh, I find working in an office under fluoro lights, uh, looking in front of you know looking into a computer can be really really draining. I just think it's a it's a foreign. Um, uh, you know, place for a human to be primarily. We, we need to sort of be in an environment which is really nurturing. Um, yes. So I, I always try and encourage employers to, to get, you know, their people out of the office, you know, reasonably regularly, but also to be able to have plants and things in the environment which actually help people feel calm because when you're sort of lit up, you know, your, your, your body is sort of struggling with all this uh, artificial light. I just don't, don't think it's great for our... Um, for our health and, and our mental health primarily to be in that sort of environment, you know, for extended periods of time. The, the, the one thing I've, I think any workplace, again, whether it's regional, rural, in the city can do is um, ha- have that mindset and conversation around the environment. Uh, but also, I mean, so many people are hunched over laptops and computers these days and, and we're not breathing properly. Mm. So this is um, almost putting people into that, um, you know, shallow breathing above the, the, the chest and we're in this fight or flight mode. And, um, you know, just if, if workplaces can help people Call from breathe properly again, uh, that would be a huge win. But you're right, um, promoting getting outdoors. And, and, and I know it's hard for some workplaces um, in you know, in terms of that environment, but you can manufacture a, a really green environment as well, even if you can't get people outside. Um, but one, one thing we're always trying to promote is, you know, the, the walk and talk meetings outside, getting away from the desk. Mm. Um, but, yeah, natural light, greenery, uh, these are things we, we, we have to incorporate into the workplace. It's, it's, a, it's a booming industry uh, in terms of architectural design at the moment that, uh, well-being has been incorporated into the design of, of modern workplaces and it's 
and it's critical, but it's still not as good as getting outside, getting the shoes and socks off and, you know, connecting with the with, with the natural elements Almost, of this yeah. this world. Yeah. Um, and, and, it, and it seems for, for a lot of workplaces that seems a bit weird to, to talk about breathing and mindfulness and meditation and being barefoot, but these are things that will promote um, high performance and better business outcomes. And we talk about... Um, that the feeling of confidence comes after the action of confidence and, and, and if businesses are just willing to take that risk and get uncomfortable uh, when it comes to, to well-being and, and try different things that are a bit more holistic than what they may uh, be familiar with, there'll be huge benefits and, and return on that investment. What you might not see straight away, but if you stay committed to it, um, they'll come thick and fast. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I... Well, one, one, one word that came to me was obviously we've, we've been denatured primarily by, by a lot of the environments yep. that we're in, you know, sort of sitting and looking at something and, and sort of under, under you know, artificial um, lighting and all those sorts of things. And our bodies, I believe as humans, we need to move, you know. If we're not doing that, then we're going to be looking for the lolly machine um, in the middle of the day, in the afternoon, looking for quick, quick hits of energy, which are unsustainable. But it's so much smarter and... Uh, uh, you know, more practical for uh, for individuals just to be able to do things that promote you know well being rather than sort of take it the other way. So the quick interventions, you know, they are temporary, but if you can do things that are more sustainable, um, that has a tremendous effect on uh, on your mental health as well. Yeah, and, and I think um, you know we need to be challenging ourselves as individuals. Um, you know, from um, every person out there listening now you know what what's the one thing you're you're doing for your well-being at this point in time what are you focused on you know what action are you taking because we need to and what are you learning about yourself and your well-being we need to be really curious as individuals and and learn about ourselves and and well-being and how how we um, can get the best out of ourselves then we we need to start living it so starting to practice these actions um, to build confidence and then start to become role models in our, our work and life. There's just not enough role models out there when it comes to, to wellbeing. So I'll uh, encourage people with the, this mantra of, of learn it, live it, and then lead it and, and mm. spread that, um, you know, that, that, those wellbeing experiences across your friends, family, community, and work colleagues. Yeah, absolutely. That's, uh, that's really well said, Troy. I guess, you know, it is our... It is our purpose in life to live a filled life where we can, um, you know, get to the end of it and sort of be feeling like we've actually achieved something rather than just sort of, uh, you know, gone to work and got a super and uh, and left it sort of half crippled. <laughs> At the end of the day, it's sort of uh, it's unworthwhile when we um, when we sort of have to sacrifice a lot of it to um, to to get to the end. But I just think we can do lots now to be able to provide interventions to keep people happy, healthy and well inside and outside of work. And you know, I'd, love, I'd love people to be able to connect with you um, beyond this just to get some advice, but also to look at some of the tools and so forth that Benny Button provides. So how could people get hold of you and look at what you're doing? Yeah, look, our website is uh, www.bennybutton.com. Uh, there's, there's a bit about us uh, on the website. We've, we're on social media, LinkedIn, Facebook, etc. But we're... we're I love that part of this conversation was about this concept of, of checking in on people and we're really excited. Soon we're releasing a product where, you know, even even with good intentions when people um, 
you know, want to check in on their own well-being but also on the well-being of others, we do get caught up in the busyness of work and life and, and sometimes unintentionally we can forget about ourselves and what's most important in our lives and that's us as individuals and also the people around us. So we're, we're soon releasing a tool which is going to make it really easy for people not to forget to check in on, on people around them and also check in on, on themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so stay tuned for that. And, uh, but, yeah, BennyButton.com, um, we're, we're, we're out there trying to shake up the workplace industry and, and make it make well-being part of the – integrated into the workplace and, and a normal part of the everyday conversation for men, women, young people coming into the workforce regional, rural, where we're working with um, organisations such as UGL who have got people, you know, in isolation out on mining sites through to, to big corporates here in the city. So um, it, it, we work with human beings, not with any particular industry, and, and we we really strongly feel that our, our motto is for people to live well and have impact, and we feel everyone has the right to, to live their best life and have impact not only at work but also in the community and uh, on their families, friends, things that are important to them. Well said, mate. I've always been curious, where did the name Betty Button come from? Yeah, look, it was a uh, – that was – when we started the business, there, there was actually and, – and he'll love that I mention him on, on this uh, – a, a gentleman by the name of Rod Dry, who's actually the father of the um, – Justin Dry, who, who created the, the business Fino Mofo, which is a quite a successful um, wine distribution brand, but he uh, had a had a his third child at the age of he was in his sixties, and uh, he was on this mission. He said, "I want to reverse my age because I want to I want to actually." Um, uh, be young enough as I'm getting older. I want to reverse my chronological age so that when my boy's in his teenage years, I'm still a fit and healthy man. Um, so uh, someone walked past him and said, oh, you want to do a Benny Button? And that name sort of stuck where it was like, wow, yeah, if we can get people to invest in their well-being and live a, a younger life than what their chrono- chronological age is, mm. almost turn back the clock Um that could be a really exciting thing. And, and whilst it was playful and we, we, we contemplated changing the name to something a bit more uh, corporate or clinical, nearly every person we, we, we mentioned that we were thinking of changing our name and say so that could be the worst thing you could ever do because it's fun and playful and that's what workplaces need at the moment, not, not the boring clinical well-being uh, systems and medical models that are out there at the moment. So we're trying to bring a bit of fun and humanity back into workplaces. Yeah, unbelievable. Uh, yeah, the clinical model, um, certainly like I, I work in, in that, like I'm on both sides from a lived experience but also the clinical side and people out there that are needing support, they're sort of going more to wanting a lived experience so they can hear stories of, um, uh, of themselves and others or, you know, be able to relate more rather than sort of going down that, that old path. I think things are slowly starting to change there, Troy, but um, it's really, really nice to hear you say that. Um, Troy, three things that you do to look after your own well-being, what are they? 
Oh, look, a bit of a mantra, two before two. So every day I try and uh, drink at least two litres of water before 2pm. So that's turned into a mantra of mine. And that started with just having two glasses of water every morning when I wake up. Uh, it's, it's now gone into this mantra of two before two. Mm. Um, I'm really passionate about uh, running. So like you, I know you love your running. I, I love to get out there and run and wherever possible, um, so yesterday I just did a, a run through the, the headland at Maruba, uh, the Malabar National Park. So I love doing the trail running. And something that's continually evolving for me is just getting better at breathing. So um, I at least do a five-minute mindfulness practice uh, every day. Um, one good thing with the Apple Watch, it's always constantly reminding me to breathe for at least a minute. And I think, uh, as I said earlier, I think it's, Possibly the most powerful thing that I, I wasn't familiar with through my working career, but now that I'm, uh, I've got this uh, a much stronger and connected relationship to my breath, uh, it has such a powerful flow-on effect to to everything else. Mm -hmm. um, Aaron, we use this, we, we we bring this stat up for so many people that we work with, and and you might be able to answer this, but I'll I'll put a quiz question to you. Um, how many breaths on average do you think we take as human beings each day? Only 8,000. It's a bit less than that. It's a bit over 20,000. Uh, and, and when we ask people how many of those do you take consciously, uh, the, the response I reckon from about 75% of people or more is zero. Mm. So if we can take at least, you know, for one minute, uh, maybe 10 of those breaths consciously each day. So 10 out of 20,000, uh, we're, we're taking a huge step forward. So that's, that's a bit of our, our mission to, to get people breathing again. And it's, and it's mine. I'm improving on that, uh, yeah. you know, as I evolve as a human being now because it's something I didn't invest in when I was younger. I wish someone had told me about um, mindful breathing when I was a, 18 year old yeah. uh, and, and the power and flow and effect that would have in my life but i've i've only realized that uh, pretty late but um never too late no, no i agree mate just even breathing through the nose obviously getting more into the parasympathetic mode but also breathing in filtered air rather than unfiltered air um through the mouth and um we have I suppose a lot of us sort of were maybe put into fear early on in life and we're sort of real protective of ourselves. So we're in that flight and fight consistently and um, yes, you know, it's just yes. the mouth breathing, uh, mouth breathing sort of is just uh, more relevant because our mind and our bodies are so tense. That's why I love teaching yin yoga because it just sort of helps the body open and then the, the mind slows down and the breath slows down after that, you know. And, you know, the, the, the mind follows the breath, the body will follow the mind at the end of the day. So just being able to sort of integrate those things um, into a daily daily routine for me, which have been really helpful as well. And um, everything that sort of, you know, creates uh, the go with the slow, I always say, like, you know, give yourself some slow time to, to match your go. I think it's really important. Otherwise, your sleep gets affected and, and all these different things in your life start to, uh, you know, chop and change quite a bit, mate, unfortunately. But uh having these conversations like we are now, I just think we're helping people, you know, be able to get some tools that they can, you know, maybe bring into their daily lives slowly that can help them. And certainly, you know, the workplace is a great place to start doing that, mate. So I'm really grateful for your time, Troy. I really appreciate your, your wise words and, and your passion for what you're doing. 
Oh, thank you. And can't wait to be doing some more work with you, Aaron, in the not too distant future. And uh, great job on this podcast. Um, some incredibly diverse speakers and your commitment to it. I think you're now up to almost 47 uh, episodes. What a remarkable effort in a short period of time. So good on you. And I hope this goes from being good to great. Yeah, appreciate it, mate. Thanks very much. Guys, thanks very much for joining in. What a tremendous man uh, Troy is and what he's actually doing and created here. Jeez, he, he could have you know, kept going in that corporate road, um, obviously in a higher level job with Fairfax. And geez, uh, some of you from Victoria know that age site uh, at the airport is pretty huge. So there would have been lots of people in there and lots of people um, for him to engage with. And obviously... What's come out of that has been uh, really um, amazing to be able to sort of support people outside or out of the workplace and into uh, other parts of their life, which is so rare. And, you know, Troy's been able to create something really special from that, and I think we're all going to benefit from it. So I really encourage you to check out his website, bennybutton.com.au, um, and yeah, get, a bit, uh, get a bit interested in what they're actually doing, uh, whether you want to use their products uh, individually or as an employer or from an employer's perspective, I think you're going to find uh, what they do is pretty profound and really helpful. So check them out. If you'd like to connect, go connect with me, please contact me via email, support at outbackmind.com.au or check out the website outbackmind.com.au. Uh, that website's undergoing a bit of an overhaul at the moment, so there'll be some, uh, some fresh things come up on that one, which would be cool, and uh, looking forward to getting that out there um, over the next month or so. So... Appreciate you uh, listening in, guys, and got some uh, awesome guests coming up soon. So I look forward to uh, some more podcasts shortly. Thanks very much. Cheers.